Uh, Rider break. Okay, we're back with part two of Heisei Rider versus Showa Rider, Rider Tyson featuring Super Sentai. And uh, this is part two of the episode. Massive spoilers if you haven't listened to part one yet or you don't want to be spoiled on the movie. I'm just warning you now. Uh, and here we go with the rest of this mega-sized episode. Okay, so from there, we go to uh, Skasa and Shotaro. They have a nice little sit-down conversation, too. Uh, you know, we had a big action sequence, so it's time for a little bit more talking. But again, because it's talking between characters that we know and love, it's great, you know? <laughs> it's it's really fun to watch. They just kind of have a sit-down at an outdoor cafe. There's a nice little cameo of Futo-kun. And uh, now Shotaro does say something kind of interesting here where he goes... You know, Scott's is like, I need your help to fight uh, Baden and all that. And they're talking about rounding up the riders and everything. And, and Shotar is like, you know, if I leave this city, Futo won't have anyone to protect it. Which makes me wonder, like, where the heck is Excel? You know, and <laughs> again, I guess, I guess that like Akiko, uh, Ryu and, and Philip are all like on vacation or something like that. Because otherwise, I don't know why uh, <laughs> this would be an issue. But and and most of the movie is going to take place in Futo anyway. <laughs> And uh, Scott is asking him some questions about a particular kid. Now, I know it was introduced earlier, but I think we've established that uh, Shu was from Futo. And, uh, yeah, because in the next scene, we've got Skasa going to a lighthouse where there's a woman waiting there. And as this is happening, uh, Shu wakes up and him and, and Kota, who's still hanging out at the juice bar, they run off. Uh, so, you know, the thing, things are starting to come together in terms of who Shu is and... and you know, his backstory and all that. And we find out in the next scene because they go to his house and we discover that he is, in fact, dead. And this is this is where things... This is where the movie takes a, a an interesting turn. Not a bad one, but certainly a, a very kind of different turn than I think what uh, I had been expecting anyway. Because uh, 15 shows up outside and there's a whole bunch of big revelations. Basically, Shu uh, is this kid who lived in Futo. And his mom had promised to take him to this lighthouse, and uh, she didn't. She went away on a business trip, and so he sends her a, a phone pic with him holding the sign that says, I hate you, uh, as kids are wont to do. You know, so she felt all bad about that. And then, uh, I can't remember the reason why. I, I, I don't know if like he had second thoughts or something like that, but he's like, it, it, we see a scene of him like running outside, and he gets hit by a truck. So, yeah, he died. And it turns out 15 is, in fact, his father. And he's all mad because he wants to save his son. And uh, you know, that's why he wants part of the reason why he wants Shu. Uh, the bad guys are after Shu, of course. Shu's mom is the lady at the white, uh, lighthouse that Skasa talked to. And uh, Coach is like, what the hell's going on? I, you know, let's have a fight. So they, uh, they engage in another action sequence, Guy versus 15. Sorry, I'm kind of speeding through uh, the plot there, but this episode is almost two hours already, so I just I want to try to get through it in a, a sane amount of time. But you know, this is, all all will be revealed when you watch the movie. But it's you know, it's a pretty, it's a good story. It's a good little, like one of the things uh, going into this one that I was kind of hesitant about was the fact that we were going to have original characters because I think one of the things about the first superhero Tyson that really works is it's all pre-existing characters like everybody in that movie is somebody with history even if they're being written in a very strange manner they all are characters that we know and in a big crossover multi-rider team-up movie like this 
I think, you know, you want to spend as much time with the characters you know as possible. That's why, you know, stuff like the Takami Jin scenes are so great, or, or Shotaro and Skasa. Yeah, that stuff works so well. So, but you know, that being said, I actually I kind of like the uh, the Shu character. Like the kid's a good actor. Uh, you know, I did feel sympathy for his plight. Like he feels bad about what he did, but then he died, and <laughs> now his his father has gone nuts and turned evil, and you know his mother feels guilty. Like it, it's really good. Like uh, the way it all wraps up, I think works a lot. It doesn't detract from the action too much. It it does provide for a really kind of strange reason why the riders are fighting, although the actual reason why the riders are fighting each other will become a bit murkier over the course of the movie. Uh, it, you know, better than Superhero Tyson's reasoning, but still, uh, I don't quite know. Uh, but so anyway, so yeah, there's a fight between Gaim, Baden, uh, 15, everybody. Something I like about this scene, just like a minor touch, but whenever a whole bunch of the Baden soldiers show up, you know, like, stand around behind 15. I, I don't know if this was a conscious decision or not, but, like, everybody stands slightly differently. One guy will kind of have his hands crossed, another guy is kind of, you know, looking like he's ready to pounce. Like, I, I don't know. There's some good uh, good minor touches, good business from the stunt guys, as it were. But so anyway, so we've got a fight, and Decade shows up. He helps out Guy, but uh, two riders is not enough to defeat 15. And uh, Kota was trying to bring shoe to the lighthouse to to reunite with his mother because actually no no De- decade is trying to do that because he shows up and he's like shoe i found your mother she's at the lighthouse she wants to see you i gotta bring you there and he's like really so in a really cool touch kota pulls out one of the vehicle lock seeds the uh i think it's the rose attacker and he's like use this so we get skasa or, or decade rather riding on a gaim bike with the kid and they drive off Gaim transforms to uh, Ichigo Arms, the strawberry one. He's fighting with 15. Really cool sequence. Like, really nice use of two different shows things. Like, I don't know, there's just something cool about seeing Decade on a bike that's not his own. <laughs> so, they're driving off. Yeah, Skasa and Shu. For some reason, Decade turned back to Skasa at this point. And also, Skasa changed his shirt somewhere along the line. That's why, I guess that's where the, the week elapsed <laughs> between us between scenes as he, he had time to put on a different shirt but yeah they get attacked by jack shogun uh and more bad and guys and you know whenever whenever mr general jack shows up you know that black and black rx cannot be far behind so they show up to make the save and they defeat him in a really cool sequence they do a double kick and everything really neat Something they did about this movie that I thought was kind of strange is Black and Black RX actually have different voices. They're similar, but they are noticeably different. I don't know. I, I guess they're just... Uh, like, Toei's on this crusade to make us all believe that Black and Black RX were two different guys, even though they weren't, but whatever. I want a scene where someday where they, they kind of just, in the middle of the action, they kind of stop and look at each other and like, we got to stop meeting like this because, you know, our, our timeline is so messed up now. <laughs> I know too much about my future, and and you're interfering in your own past. And but anyway, so they uh, they defeat the bad guys, and you know Skaz is like, well, thanks. Then Black and Black RX are like, well, we're not saving you. <laughs> They're like, uh oh. Fortunately, Shotaro shows up to save them. You know, he drives by on his bike, and it's like, you know, the Show Riders are attacking the Heisei Riders, and. I'll defend everybody in Futo regardless of whether they're passing through riders or dead kids or whatever. So, you know, you get the kid to his lighthouse, I'll handle these guys. So he turns into Joker. Uh, really cool scene. You know, he's like, uh, but 
once again, we got a two on one beat down and, and even Joker can't uh, handle black and black Rex. So fortunately, somebody throws playing cards at them that get stuck in their like helmets <laughs> and Kaito walks out and he's like, I'm joining in on this too. So he becomes Baron. So that's where if you've seen like way back when, I think one of the first uh, picks that kind of leaked out was Black and Black RX versus Joker and Baron. And that's where this scene happens. They have this nice little fight. Baron transforms into Mango Arms. Really cool sequence where he's just like bashing the mace around and stuff like that. And yeah, Joker uses, I think it's the Rider Punch or the Kick. I can't remember. One of them. I think it's the Kick. Uh, and Baron uses one of his finishers. Black RX, you know, pulls out Revel Kane and jumps at them. And uh, or he, he's, you know, he's been wielding it before this because, of course, we have to have a sword fight. But, you know, he, he like charges up for an attack. He jumps at him. They knock him out. They take him out and he turns into a lock seed, which uh, teleports into the hand of Ambassador Darkness, who's like, we need to gather more lock seeds. So that's what the bad guys have been doing. Like we did see this at the beginning of the movie. We uh, we saw that the riders that when they're defeated they turn into lock seeds, and the bad guys are rounding them up. Uh, so then Amazon and Super One jump in, and they start helping out, fighting Joker and uh, Baron, and they use their finishers. They're gonna take out Joker, but Baron, you think he's doing like a sort of a heroic save where he jumps in the way, but instead he kind of like shoves Joker aside. He's like, "Let me at him," and he gets knocked out. Uh, it looks like he explodes, although he'll be okay later on. And I don't think we see him turn into a lock seed, so I don't quite know <laughs> what's going on there. But he's out of the movie for now. Uh, yeah, so the bad guys are like, we need more lock seeds. Okay, so Decade arrives at the lighthouse, but 15 teleports in. Like, he drops through the sky uh, through one of the zippers. And he's like, give me the kid. Give me shoe. He's my son. And uh, Scus is like, no way. And this is when we get that really good moment where, like, Scus is, he's, he looks, like, kind of, I wouldn't say scared, but certainly more, like, more concerned than he has in a long time, where he's like, I'm a passenger coming rider, remember that. He transforms. Uh, so we get this awesome fight between Decade and Fifteen, where Fifteen is, you know, whipping out different rider arms, so he turns into, like, Forze at one point. Decade is using different common rides, so he becomes Hibiki, becomes Kuga. Something about this that I liked a lot. Now, your mileage may vary, but when Fifteen becomes Decade arms, he can use any of the powers that Decade can use. So, like, you know, Decade becomes Hibiki, and he's got the drumsticks out, and he's shooting fire, and... While still in decade arms, uh, fifteen does the same thing, which I thought was a really cool touch. That guy was like, "That's great that, you know, they remembered." Even though he becomes decade arms, one of decades' whole things is that he can use the powers of nine other guys. So of course, so can fifteen. Uh, I think they even kind of like mentioned this in the dialogue, where you know, decades like, you know, fifteen. Well, what can you do better than I can? You know, a <laughs> uh, really cool little fight. But uh, yeah, Decade, he's on the ropes. Like this is, he takes one of the most vicious beatings I think he has in a long time. So Gaim shows up on his bike to make the save. And uh, this is where we get Kachidoki Arms, who uh, I think when this movie came out, he had just shown up on the TV show, uh, like the episode before this aired. Uh, Because I do know this is the first time we see him use the sword finisher, I think. He's got the DJ gun. He uses the sword finisher. uh, But of course, he's got to use the flags. There's a really cool moment where he beats the guys up with the flags, and the last one he, like, stabs downwards. And we don't see anything, but we hear it. You know, we hear the... Ugh! And um, 
you know, I guess because you know he's fighting cyborg or, or kind of like robotic enemies, it's not a big deal. But I, I don't know. I just like that that <laughs> the implication he's like he just ran somebody through with the flag. Then when he pulls out the DJ gun, uh, there's a real cool moment, or a really funny moment rather, where you know he's doing the whole you know spin the disc on the side, and we cut to this shot where like fifteen kind of steps forward, like. And, and, you know, even though it's a, an unmoving mask, like, it, you can almost kind of see the emotion where he's just like, what the f***? Also, uh, yeah, 15 transforms. He's got the, the Heisei Rider Lockseed, and he uses the strongest mode of all, which is he turns into Gaim Arms. Uh, he was using that to beat up on Decade. And we get Gaim Arms versus Gaim as Kachidoki. Uh, and, and true to its name, it is really strong because even Kachidoki is not strong enough to beat, uh, 15. They do the, they do their finishes on each other. Uh, Kachidoki has the big, you know, sword mode DJ gun attack and, you know, they hit each other. Kota gets, he gets knocked out of transformation, gets knocked on the ground and, and 15 is fine. Like it doesn't affect him at all. So they grab Shu, uh, you know, who's screaming something. He's like, you gotta protect the future Rider and all that stuff. Uh, and they, they teleport away. So Gaim or, or Kota and Skasa, rather, they kind of have this little confrontation where they're like, we got to round up all the riders. And, you know, Skasa's kind of doing the whole sort of aloof thing. And, and that makes Kota mad. Something I like about this movie is it really shows the, uh, that the Heisei riders, they don't quite get along. Like, you know, even, even though they're all buddies and, or allies, there's still, there's a lot of tension between them. Like there's tension between, uh, Takumi and Skasa or Skasa and, uh, Kota or Kaito and, and Shotaro. I mean, that's more kind of played for laughs, but you know, still they kind of, they insult each other and stuff like that. You know, it's really kind of a dysfunctional family as opposed to the show riders who are the, you know, they're working like a well-oiled machine. Like they got it all together. They know each other inside and out. They know they're all on the same page, stuff like that. So, you know, they, they've got the teamwork down and all that. And really cool. Now, you know, of course, the idea, I think, is that by the end of the movie, we, we will establish that the, the Heisei Riders kind of, they, they get it together and they kind of, well, we'll get to that. But <laughs> So, uh, yeah, so they're like, we got to round up all the riders. And that's when we go to the opening scene. We have the flash forward. It's kind of a bridge. You know, we sort of cut through it. But we got all the riders fighting each other. So, you know, like the Rider War has begun. And uh, then we cut back to the bad guys in their underground base. You got the whole, the usual like crowd of everybody. Uh, it's funny how they actually, they came up with, um, or they recreated a couple of villain costumes that they don't actually see that much action, like outside of these scenes. Like you see Bilgenia, one of the other Gorgon priests, like a whole bunch of, of new ones that really are just in this scene. Uh, and, you know, they show up in the background later and stuff like that. But I don't remember them really having spotlight fights or anything like that i don't know that was that was kind of interesting to me that they like they went through the effort of doing the makeup and the uh, the suits and then casting people and stuff like that but they're really just kind of there in the background i will be interested to see if uh when the movie comes on dvd we know there's going to be alternate ending will there be any other uh deleted scenes i i wonder probably not because they they tend not to do that for the springtime movies but i don't know it does kind of feel like there might have been more to this um, but so, yes, yeah, so we go back to the, the Baden meeting place and one of the Tokuger villains walks up. I think it's um, General Schwartz, who's like, you know, Rider War, this seems fun. We want to participate, too. And uh, I, I don't know. I like uh, Ambassador Darkness's reaction. To this is kind of funny because he looks at him like, what the, you know, and all the guys are kind of like, you know, they're not saying it, but they're sort of like by the body language and stuff. They're almost like, you know, uh, we're kind of trying to film a Rider movie here. I don't know if he knows that. 
you're not going to leave, are you? All right, fine, you can join in. So uh, the Den Liner gets attacked by uh, the Shadow Liner there, or whatever it's called, the Evil Train, and you know, in the the desert of time and everything, and it shows up uh, conveniently, you know, right in front of Skasa, who's like looking up in the sky to see it explode. So this is what like the third or fourth time the Den Liner has blown up <laughs> completely. Uh, this actually, uh, I'm not sure how much I like this because the thing is about the riders fighting each other. Like when you find out what the you know, how they're all turning into lock seeds and stuff like that. Like, when you find out the reasoning behind that, you're like, okay, uh, you know, now it kind of makes sense. Having Den-O get defeated by a bunch of other guys, it, it, it kind of won't make sense, as we'll see. But, um, you know, in any case, like, they, they, this is about the point where the movie's, like, starting to remember, oh, that's right, this movie features Super Sentai, so we got to start, you know, getting them in there. When it comes to the whole, you know, the inclusion of Sentai in this movie, I think the thing you'll kind of take away from it is, certainly from this review, is that you know, I don't mind them being there, but I think they're such a kind of small part of the movie, almost like an afterthought, that it would have been pretty easy to, to not have them in there. Like, I, you know, really the, the main reason they're in the movie is to get another toy out. You know, they, they did the uh, Kyoryuja train and the, the Denliner train for the, the Tokyuja robot. But, you know, when you get down to it, like, I don't know if it was essential that they be in this movie. It's certainly fun to have them in there. I mean, you know, it, it's a blast to have them show up. And it's kind of, I think it's critical that they do have a Sentai team just so we can get a, a little bit more female representation. Because one thing you'll notice about this movie is that other than Mai and Mari uh, and Shu's mom and, like, the lady at the juice bar... There's basically no women in this movie, and that's kind of it's kind of noticeable. It's a real uh, it's a real sausage fest, as it were. So it is nice to have the Tokyo girls show up, uh, even if so briefly. But it really highlights the fact that, damn it, we need more female riders because there's something wrong when you've got thirty riders running around and, and they're all guys. Like uh, anyway, so uh, yeah, so the Den Liner is destroyed. Uh, Skaza looks over, like, literally, like, I, I don't know, I guess he's just, like, kind of, he's just, you know, strutting down the street, and he's seeing riders fight left and right, so he, like, looks over, and there's Agito and Super 1 having a really cool little showdown. Super 1 uses the elect hands. Agito, uh, goes to Trinity form, actually, which I thought was cool. Uh, and they KO each other, they, you know, Super 1 does a rider kick, Agito does, I think it's called the Firestorm attack when he uses the uh, sword and the um, halberd at the same time and they just they KO each other. So they both turn to lock seeds. You know, things are just going nuts. Uh, riders are getting knocked out left and right. So uh, Skasa and Guy meet up on a rooftop because the bad guys, their evil plan is going into action where um, if you have seen uh, Z-Cross's TV special, then you might remember the gigantic laser gun weapon that destroyed buildings with interesting optical effects uh they've brought that back it's a little different now but it is part of something called the mega reverse operation which uh i I skipped over this but back in the scene when um 15 confronted kota and shu outside of shu's house when he made the revelation you know shu i am your father there's this really cool moment where like they found the the message that she wrote the i hate you one and 15 like cuts it in half and sets it on fire like he's really mad um he also reveals that you know baden is not an underground empire it's an empire of the dead so uh they've come from that if you remember back to the beginning of the movie the inside out world that is that is the world of the dead that's why shu was running around there 
bad in need shoe because uh you know being a person from the world of the dead now in the world of the living they can kind of use him as this sort of link to where they're going to put this mega reverse operation into effect and uh quite literally uh turn the world inside out and make it a world of of the dead that will overtake the living really creepy cool stuff and i actually i kind of i dig this idea because it's uh you know, it's almost like it's a nice callback to the the old the Let's Go Rider Kick theme song. You know, Shocker and Army of Hell, or in this case, Baden, and the idea that you know all these bad guys keep coming back again and again. So having them kind of like literally be from the the Kaijin underworld or whatever, sort of like what they did in those um, last two episodes of Wizard. I don't know. I I dig that a lot. Like it's a nice kind of a, a catch-all explanation for it and stuff like that. So. Yeah, the bad guy's plan has gone into action. And also, I think it's around this point that we finally hear from the true leader of Baden, who is this uh, gigantic kind of brain skull rock thing at the base of the giant gun, uh, the giant laser gun. This is the uh, the Baden leader, or the Baden Fuhrer, or whatever you want to translate it as. But, uh, you know, for those who don't know, this character, he was from the original z-cross tv special and the original storyline all that and it is of course the great leader uh the villain from the classic writer shows uh voiced by the late goro naya now when uh naya passed away i remember thinking i don't know you know that character is so tied into that voice that i don't know how you could ever bring him back and and really do it justice because I, I don't know. I mean, it, like the again, like the character is so tied into the voice. The the thing about the great leader is he can, you can change everything about him. You know, you can change what he looks like. You can change where he comes from. You can change his kind of overriding motivation. It's usually evil and and conquer the world and all that. But he might sometimes he might be like, I want to wipe out half of humanity. Other times he might be like, I just want to conquer humanity. You know, stuff like that. Uh, you can do a lot of things with him because he's such a really such a great character for a guy who almost has no character beyond, you know, force of evil. But over the years, different production teams and writers and stuff like that have added to kind of the, the mythology of what he is. You know, is he an alien? Is he like an elder god? Is he evil incarnate? Is he Satan? You know, stuff like that. But, you know, without the voice, I think you'll lose a lot of that character, which is why I think a lot of times they've really, you know... Fortunately, being such a great voice actor, uh, they were able to get Naya to voice the great leader in like games and stuff like that. Or, or they got his brother, who sounds close enough. But uh, you know, without without the voice, it's he's a tougher one to do. I mean, I think you know, Spirits has pulled it off where they've kind of really sort of reinvented him and, and given this whole new kind of spin with like the judo character and all that. You know, so it's certainly doable. But I think on screen, it was always going to be tough to uh, pull off. And somehow, I don't know how, but they pulled it off. They got uh, Tomokazu Seki, who is the voice of a million things. But to me, he's always going to be the voice of the modern voice of Ika Devil. And uh, he does an amazing job. Like, he does a really good impersonation, like a really good uh, take on the on the Goro Naya great leader voice. I mean, it sounds pretty much spot on like i think you know it's the sort of thing where i you know if you compare them head to head you might notice the differences but it's it works as capturing the character you know even if it's not 100 percent accurate it, it sounds very close and you can believe in that character you can believe it is who it's supposed to be and everything so 
That was really cool. Like, uh, he just gets a few lines, but there, uh, it's great to have him in there because he is sort of a essential part of of Baden because uh, as the Z Cross TV special ended with anyway, he basically got away. Like, he kind of you know it finished with him sort of laughing at Riley's like, "I'll be around forever." And then, depending on how you look at, it, he either was in Black RX or uh, wasn't. Uh, he was in Let's Go. You know, the chronology is all a little crazy, but. Let's say this is, you know, this is the the current, the the newest appearance of the great leader um, as the bad leader again, and and there you go. It's really cool. But yeah, the bad guys are doing this thing where they've got this uh, giant laser tower like rising up because they've they're still gathering loxies. They still need a few more, but they're almost ready to go. So Skasa and and Kota have, you know, they're up on a building and they're like, oh, this is serious. You know, how are we going to do this? We've only got two riders. And then Takumi shows up. He's like, nope, you got three. I'm going to help you out. Because, uh, you know, he wants to help save the day. But he also wants to know why exactly are the show riders attacking them. So the next sequence is on the, uh, I think it's called the Great Dream Bridge. Which is uh, the place where you might remember the last episode of Double. Like the final scene, the final battle and all that. That was filmed there. It's been used in a lot of shows. Decoranger, Blade. Uh, I've been there. It's a really cool place if you're ever interested to go. If you're ever in Tokyo, <laughs> I'll tell you how to get there. But so they're there, and they get confronted by the legendary Six Riders and Black. Uh, somehow, yes, Rider 1 to Amazon are all still around, and, and Black is there, because, as we know, Stronger was taken out already. I, you know, I would have liked it if Stronger was there myself. I, I think that would have been pretty cool. But, you know, Black, Black is cool, too, so no qualms at all. Plus, most importantly, we've got Rider 1 and X there, and they're the two with uh, their actual voices. So, of course, they do most of the talking. Um, the black voice is okay. It's, you know, it's not, it, it's kind of like, I think it's closer to Kurata as he was in the eighties than as he is now. So it does feel a little out of place alongside the other ones. And like I've said, the Rider two voice is a lot younger than, uh, I would have liked, but you know, whatever they do fine now. So you got, so you got seven writers on the show aside and our uh, heroic threesome, uh, that sounded wrong. Our heroic trio are backed up by uh, the remaining Hasey Riders, which includes uh, Joker shows up, Wizard, who is, is voiced by uh, his actual actor, Haruto's back for a small cameo, as we'll see, uh, Oz and Kiva. So it's a seven-on-seven seven showdown. Uh, so they have a big talk about uh, the reason why they're all fighting, why the show Riders are attacking the Hasey Riders. And basically it comes down to... The Hayser Riders are kind of all to blame <laughs> for everything, for Baden coming back and, and all this monkey business because uh, they, you know, they pierced the, the walls between the world of the living and the dead and uh, brought, the, uh, brought the dead back into the world of the living, as it were. Because they're all still, they're still young guys and they've all lost people and, and the pain of losing people, they still have it in their hearts and all that. And the, you know, the show writers are like, you know, you, you've got to move on. You've got to, you know, overcome those feelings and all that. But because they're still around, the bad guys came back. I mean, when you get down to it, it, it kind of doesn't make any sense. <laughs> like they, One of the things they did with this movie is they really tried to promote this idea that the show writers fight for society and the hasty writers fight for the individual. So the hasty writers are always going to think about the individual wants and needs, like Shu wanting to go to the lighthouse to find his mother whereas the uh yeah the hasty riders will think that and the show riders will be like no we got to think about society as large you know even if it's 
even if the little guy has to suffer, you know, it, it's more important. The needs of the many outweigh the needs of the few or the one, that kind of thing. Uh, I personally disagree with that. Uh, to me, that has never been how the show writers work. They were always about the little guy. They're always about saving the individual. Saving the whole, of course, is important too, but uh, they never did it at the expense of, of anybody. So to me, that just that didn't uh, ring true at all. Now, I think they they do an okay job of trying to kind of justify it as being like, well, you know, they're older and, and maybe, you know, after all these years, they've kind of become a bit not disenfranchised or not cynical, but I don't know. They're just kind of like, uh, you know, they're they're thinking about the big picture and, and the, the newer guys maybe aren't quite as much, but I don't know. It it didn't quite work. I think the when you when you examine it, and the and the thing that sort of makes it worse is the fact that ultimately it's kind of this is all sort of like the baloney excuse. Like the real reason they're fighting, as we'll discover, is almost more kind of like the the show writers aren't convinced the Hayser writers can hack it. Like they think they're just going to screw it up. So that's why they've been you know getting in the way and stuff like that. And uh, apparently, fighting each other is somehow gonna. Or, or defeating all of the other guys is somehow going to help matters. I don't know. It, it really, uh, I, this is the sort of thing where like, I want to watch it again, you know, so I can stop the dialogue or, you know, go back and listen to it again, all that. Cause it is the sort of thing where like, you know, this is all being delivered by like, you know, seven writers on one side and, and seven writers on the other, including three actors who have never met before this movie. I mean, on screen anyway. So you're so distracted by all that that, like, you know, they could be talking about, they could be reading the phone book and you wouldn't be paying attention to that. So, <laughs> or it wouldn't be registering as it were. So, yeah, I mean, it's, it's like, it's something where it's, I think it's better than I'm making it sound. But even I came out of this movie being like, I don't know about the reasoning here. And that's what I mean about how, like, when you get down to it, a lot of the best things about this movie are not because of the main writer you know show versus heisei plot but you know in any case uh you know they're basically saying like you guys you're you're young and you'll be tempted by by uh you know the, the power to bring people back to life and all that and and you know you, you, you let us handle this we we can deal with this pain and and all this and uh you know we we have the the power and, and you know and coach was like no you don't need that power you know he gets on that they do they kind of do the whole you know the scasa speech at this point <laughs> where he's like you know i've traveled from world to world and i've met many people and many people have died and and takami's like you know it doesn't matter if you're alive or dead uh let's fight yeah <laughs> now the thing that's funny about all this though is like as we'll see in a few minutes the show writers are absolutely correct in that takami is he, he almost gives it a temptation when he has the power to bring somebody back to life and almost screws the whole thing up so uh, I don't know. I'm, it, it's kind of hard to tell. Like this movie, it, it certainly it wants to kind of paint the Haitian writers as the underdogs and make them out to be it, again. Like it's not making the show writers out to be evil, but it is kind of making it out to be like they're they're definitely taking the the tougher hard line approach. And I don't know. It it again. It doesn't. It doesn't. It works. But it also doesn't like I, I'm not sure. But again, like it's 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 just it's so much better than like the superhero Tyson. You know, we pretend to kill everybody, but we don't tell anyone. Teleport into another dimension thing, which they they kind of do here, but I think it works a lot better. It 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 works a lot better, I think, because you do get the impression that like 
even if everybody isn't in on the plan, they're a lot more accepting of it. I don't know. It's hard. To, it's hard to describe <laughs> exactly. But so anyway, but uh, you know, they're doing all this jawjacking, and finally, like you know, the only way we're going to sell this is through fighting. So we get a seven-on-seven seven fight, uh, and this is a really cool sequence. I mean, you know, again, it's the sort of thing where it's like, you know, it just it comes back to it's like we've seen riders fighting each other. So I'm kind of over the idea of it. Although that being said, you know, the on-screen results are, are still entertaining. So, you know, we get some really cool bits. Everybody kind of pairs off. Rider 2 and Decade KO each other with punches, apparently. We, we, um, actually, that's something I kind of like, is that, uh, you know, we, we have so many double KOs. And again, like everybody's trying to, they're trying to make everyone look kind of even or on an even plane. So yeah, it's very back and forth. Uh, yeah, X and Fies defeat each other. Uh, and again, you know, because we've got the history between them, uh, they kind of save them towards the end. And a really cool sequence where Fies uses the Fies edge and X uses Rydal Whip and they kind of charge up and slash. They do an, a double KO. O's is defeated by Rider Man using the rope arm. Uh, and it's a testament to how much of a Rider Man fan that I am that I was okay with this. You know, I love O's, uh, but I was okay with that. Uh, Wizard defeats Amazon with the big ring, uh, and it's a testament to how much of a Wizard fan I am that I was okay with this, because it, <laughs> again, it's, it's something that really, it should not work, but they made it look kind of cool, where Amazon's going for the dice, hits it on, and uh, Wizard just grabs him out of midair and crushes him. Uh, it, was, it was actually kind of neat. V3, I'm not sure what happened. Oh, uh, Joker and uh, Black KO each other, of course. You know, they got to knock each other out uh v3 i think he defeats wizard and then either kiva defeats him or 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 v3 and wizard defeat each other and rider man gets defeated in there somewhere too like i it gets a little confusing like i think it's uh i think it's like kiva defeats v3 or defeats rider man and then the other guy defeats wizard and either they KO each other or Gaim defeats one of them. I'm not sure. Like, things get really kind of confusing. But it comes down to uh, X and Fies, of course. Kiva just gets blown away by Rider 1. He, he's just, like, finished off somebody else. And he's kind of, like, on the ground, like, yeah, I did it. And then he gets... <laughs> but yeah, Rider 1 and Gaim, they, you know, they face off. And then the last two left. It's kind of... It's sort of weird. It looks like Gaim wins. Like, he kind of slashes Rider 1. But he's so beaten to hell that he's, like... He's just hanging on to life, and right away just kind of disappears off screen. But I guess the I, the implication is that guy won there. I think <laughs> I don't know, but anyway, uh, we're down to you know guy being the last rider left. So the bad guys have collected all the rider lock seeds. Everybody's been turned into a lock seed, and uh, the you know the big evil tower has risen up, and uh, you know Ambassador Darkness is there, and the great leader, the bad leader, is talking. It's like you know now we can take over the world and all that stuff. And uh, Ambassador Darkness starts laughing. He's like, ha, 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 you know, finally you've shown yourself. And the leader's like, yo, I know, what's the deal here? And Ambassador Darkness goes, I am not who you think I am. In fact, and then we find out that he's actually a holographic projection around Ryom Rasume. Kamen Rider Z-Cross, played by uh, Shun Sagata, who now... I think of all the old guys, uh, old riders, I think he's probably the one who's sort of changed the most, uh, you know, age-wise. Partly just it's due to the hair. You know, he's got a completely different hairstyle. And I think maybe it's because since he was a younger guy, 
you kind of notice the aging a bit more. I don't know. I, I but you know, he looks fine. You know, he's he's doing a great job and everything. But it is the one where uh, he's been playing Ambassador Darkness this whole time. You know, with some makeup on all that, and it's funny because he actually looks more like Kenji Ushio, I think, <laughs> when he's got the helmet on and everything like that. So it was it was a pretty good impression. But uh, yeah, he's been he's actually been Murasame the whole time. They never really explain what, you know, was there ever a real Ambassador Darkness or not? Like, did he exist? And then Ryo knocked him out and shoved him in a broom closet. I don't know. In any case, uh, he's here. He's now. Uh, I think when he changes, the effect is really cool because he's got the, uh, you know, they do this sort of holographic skeletal thing where you can actually see the, um, you know, the shurikens that he's got on his elbows, like Z-Cross, uh, you know, those things on his, his arm gauntlets. Those are like projecting the hologram over him. Like the the transition's really cool. So he's like, you know, I'm I'm here and uh I have you know, I've come to chew bubblegum. So he throws a shuriken at uh the big machine there that they've got the projector for the mega reverse plan, blows it up, but the great leader's like, ha ha ha, you know, you haven't uh you haven't done anything. And uh is like, What? And then he gets stabbed right through the back by fifteen. Like, he's got this big sword, he just goes right through the back. Uh, you know, you see some electrical sparks and stuff like that. Really cool sequence. Uh, you know, eventually he gets kicked down a flight of stairs and uh, is fine after that. Now, that, that's what I was talking about earlier where, uh, you know, we had Kota get injured and he's, like, out for a good, like, 20 minutes of the movie. Um, Rasume gets stabbed right through the back. Pretty grievous injury, but he's okay after that because he is, as we know, the perfect cyborg. So uh, Gaim shows up and he's like, oh no, you know, what's going on? And we find out that the actual uh, machine for the whole Megaverse plan is not just this big tower thing, but it's like this entire gigantic UFO that starts to break up through the city, uh, which is cool. That's a nice callback to uh, original uh, Z-Cross TV special where the Baden apparently had these sort of UFO things. That uh, That's how um Rasme first you know encounters them and and they use those again in spirits the whole idea of like the flying saucer things buried in the ground and stuff like that really cool little touch uh, and they've also they've redesigned the Baden logo sure why not you know they it's on all, all the guys who have it on the belts it's all different and stuff like that uh okay you know that's fine with the old one but <laughs> we got a new one it looks nice so uh you know bad guys start teleporting in all around so our heroes are surrounded Rasume is like, do you know why, you know, I gathered all the lock seeds and everything? Why, you know, I've been doing this whole undercover baloney and stuff like that. It was to get everybody in the same place at the same time so we could do this. So he transforms into Z-Cross. Really cool. Very kind of quick transformation. But, you know, that's how Z-Cross has always was. Uh, but really cool sequence. I mean, they, they do the nice, uh, they kind of replicate the, the 80s, you know, kind of slowed down frame by frame. I'm not sure how to describe it. Look. <laughs> You know what I mean when you see it. Like when you see it, if you've seen Z Cross Transform, you're like, hey, they, you know, they did it just right. Even the music during the scene. I, I, this movie has a great music, by the way, and it's kind of a shame that they didn't release the soundtrack separately. Hopefully, it'll be on like the big Gaim CD box at the end or something like that. But uh, yeah, the, the music's really cool, and the music in this particular scene it sounds very kind of eighties, like very. I don't know. It reminds me of something right out of like you know Z Cross, which didn't have all that much original music so i guess it sounds like something out of super one or skyrider but <laughs> there you go really cool bit so yeah he transforms he cross looks awesome he pulls out the micro chain and in one of those moments that like it's like a pure common rider moment he manages to like whip it up 
and grab every single one of the Loxies. They're all on these kind of pedestals around the big tower machine thing. Like just, you know, reels them all in, pulls them out, <laughs> pulls them down. They all kind of zoom into Gaim and he's like, you know, gets uh, the power. And uh, all these zippers open up in the sky in this big kind of double formation, W formation rather. And uh, all the riders come out. So they've all been in the Helheim forest all this time, as uh, Z-Cross tells us. So <laughs> all the ride, all 30 riders assemble. Guy was like, so that was the plan all along, Rider 1. Rider 1 is like, yup. And there you go. <laughs> uh, it, it's the sort of thing where, like, the more you think about it, you're like, again, it's like that superhero Tyson thing where, you know, by all rights, all the riders should just, like, turn to Rider 1 and be like, what the f-? But, uh, you know, they're all on board with it. Because he is Rider 1, so I guess he can get away with that kind of thing. I, I don't know. I, I completely bought it. I was totally happy with it. So all the Riders are there. All the bad guys are there. 15 transforms. Uh, I think his, his actual human name is Ren. Uh, he transforms. Really cool sequence. And uh, so then it's on. So we have this huge battle. This massive battle begins. The big fight. And uh, I would put it on, on par with the one at the end of All Riders versus Die Shockers. Like a giant everybody rider fight this is up there because uh you know it's the same idea where we're cutting back and forth between all the different riders although i think it's a little bit it's it's kind of more organized in the sense that oftentimes there's guys fighting you know enemies that they're familiar with or or you know are there arch enemies or whatever Uh, you see a lot more finishers being used everybody kind of gets a moment really cool sequence it all starts off with this like just massive you know all the riders in the middle of of all these monsters, there's got to be, I don't know, something like, at least like 60 or 70 guys running around all at once. And they even do this kind of cool, like just brief shot where it's like, I don't know, they put the camera on the back of like 15's head or something. So it's like almost like a POV shot where he's like swinging the sword around and all the guys are in front of it. It looks really cool. It's like a really brief thing. They only do it once, but I kind of dug it. Uh, But yeah, it soon splits off into individual fights and, you got, uh, you know, everybody kind of teaming up. Like, you know, they try to do this thing where they show a lot of Heisei riders and Shura riders together. So you'll have, like, Kabuto and Black RX and then uh, Kiva and V3 and stuff like that. Like, really cool. And, like I said, you know, they're doing finishers and things like that. So you get, like, O's does, you know, he scans and does a kick through a bunch of guys. V3 does a kick. Hibiki does his, uh, you know, drums of death on what I thought was pretty funny is it's on Doris and like a bunch of henchmen like they, you know, we've been seeing the bad henchmen throughout this whole movie, but suddenly they randomly start throwing in like shocker guys and Destron guys and crisis guys. So there's like, I don't know, like five or six guys kind of crammed to this corner and Hibiki's like doing the drums on them and they're like, whoa, and, uh, you know, blows them all up. Really cool. Uh, Skyrider is just, he's, he's hitting guys so hard. He's flying through them and making them explode, which is awesome. Uh, Amazon throwing people off of buildings, uh, lots of stuff with, you know, Fies and X, of course, they're pairing off, which is really cool. Jay, of course, Shin, uh, Shin in this movie is voiced, I think by Takatora's actor. Cause they're like, well, he's, you know, Zangetsu Shin. So let's cast him as Ryder Shin, you know, <laughs> uh, silly little bit, but yeah, he's cool. I, I like how they do this thing where when he uh, slashes guys, you know, because it's got to be the, the PG-rated Shin of the modern movies, he can't decapitate anyone. But they have this really kind of cool, like, green effect when he, like, slashes guys and this really heavy kind of thunk noise. Really cool. Take it a lot. 
so this is going on, you know, everybody's fighting, everybody gets a moment, pretty much, yeah, like, everybody, you know, we keep cutting between, you know, we got Kuga, Agito, we got Blade, Super One, Zeto, you know, and they're, and they're just, they're pulling out crazy moves, they're doing, like, rider kicks that'll blow up, like, 10 or 12 guys, just complete pandemonium, everybody's having a good time, then it starts to kind of split off, and this is where, uh, sequence of events is going to be a bit out of order so i'll just try to go through uh the way i wrote them on my notes which cut off (laughs) so i'll have to try to remember the events from memory from here because uh i didn't take very comprehensive notes apparently anyway all right the, the great leader shows up he plows up through the ground uh and he is in the form of a gigantic cgi skeletal lava dinosaur thing with the skull in its head like the big kind of the batten you know three-eyed skull uh which you'll recognize from spirits and was a was in the uh original z cross tv special as i recall at the end so he's shooting beams down or like fireballs and stuff and you know sending everybody flying regardless of you know what side they're on although i and this was something that i thought was good is that he doesn't you know they don't do the mistake of he like kills all his own guys like he's just kind of like sending everybody flying but the fight is still going on while he's around like there's there's going to be a giant robot fight in a minute you know, all the other action is still going on at the same time so it's, it's really cool you know really kind of like it keeps cutting back and forth between the different fights and stuff uh but he shows up you know knocks everybody out uh daigo or you know curio red shows up is like uh-oh i guess it is kind of a random appearance like i guess he was just like he woke up looked out his window was like oh shit, i better get down there and help out so he runs down. He's like, "I let a dinosaur handle a dinosaur guy," and he, you know, dances around, transforms, summons his uh, robot, who's way too small. Uh, so he's getting beat up by uh, Gabutera is getting beat up by uh, the Great Leader. A bunch of the riders are getting beat up by uh, Yamarashiroid, you know, shooting his quills off. So Baron shows up along with Zangetsu Shin and Ryugen, who is in the uh, Kiwi arms already. He's got the big double thingies. But yeah, Baron shows up. It's a three-on-one beatdown. Uh, Baron turns into Mango Arms again. I was really kind of surprised. Like, in this movie, you know, with everything else going on, they actually did take the time out to show us the transformation to Mango Arms twice, which is probably the most respect it's gotten in a long time. Uh, so all three of the, you know, the side guy Myers, they hit their finishers and, and take out uh, Yama Arashiroid, who goes down with probably the quickest... Uh, Bannon bonsai like i've ever seen like he just kind of squeezes out he's like ah! <laughs> so he gets blown up uh let's see the tokyujas show up to help out i mean you know they're all in their civilian forms but they show up they start shooting stuff light or right is like you know rider one you know all, all right here's you'll get some help from another number one you know you see that like a chigo thing and Rider One's like, what the hell? So they transform, you know, they do the whole thing where, like, please stand behind the line. The bad guys are like, what is going on? Uh, they transform, help out. But, of course, they see that the other Sentai robot is not having luck with the uh, giant dinosaur great leader. So they're like, all right, let's bring in the robot. So they do that. So, you know, we're going to keep cutting back and forth to the, the giant mecha fight while all this other stuff is going on. Uh, once again, you know, I was okay with this. I mean... You could have very easily rewritten it to where you just have Jay fighting the giant guy, and then he does the whole thing where he like turns into decade complete again or something like that. I don't know, but you know, having the Sentai around, it, it's fun. More heroes, never a bad thing. So that's all going on. 
15 shows up uh you know he's been fighting the whole time as things kind of start to like as the individual kind of battles start to kind of wind down we we sort of uh break off into sort of like uh you know these these separate sequences and stuff like that but one of them is uh 15 shows up he's like he's fighting like four guys at once he takes on decade double forze and wizard uh all at once he's going through the different arms he's beating them up I did think it was kind of funny. Like during this whole part, I'm like, where the heck is O's? Cause it, it really feels like O's should be involved in the sequence. Cause then you got, you know, the, the whole newest generation of riders, but uh, he was off somewhere else, I guess. Now it's weird. It, it, he like defeats them all with one. Of, he uses the finisher of the, the decade arms where he splits up into multiple decades. It, it's cool. It's almost like, uh, it reminds me a lot of um, when D end transforms, you know, how he's got like the hologram versions of himself, like, you know, kind of swooshing around. It's almost like that. He does that, hits all the other guys. It looks like they explode, but I guess they, uh, I guess they just get knocked off screen. They don't die. <laughs> so then Kaim shows up and is like, we got to finish this. So 15 turns into uh, Gaim arms and he starts beating up on Gaim. Okay. Uh, the bad guys, um, before uh, Yamarashiroid got destroyed, uh, he activated the big sort of machine, the the tower thing on the top of the Baden UFO, where uh, Shu is kind of strapped into this booth, and they're sucking energy out of him and shooting these beams out, and that creates this huge vortex, and basically unleashes hell onto Earth. Like the the world starts to like peel like an orange. It's almost like Inception, where you got like buildings like you know curling up and going upside down, crazy stuff like that. People are running around ghosts start flying out everywhere these kind of like phantom specter things attacking people and stuff like that and so the riders are trying to fight them too like sky riders flying around killing dead people apparently um <laughs> which is pretty awesome uh you know the riders are fighting ghosts and stuff like that they're, they're kind of i guess they're supposed to be like these monsters almost you know they're not like literally people but like some of them will like land on the ground and start to kind of turn into people that look all confused they're almost like this you know weird protoplasmic energy thing Anyway, uh, you know, Fize is fighting some guys, and uh, I believe this is the one time, there, like, one of the, you know, the long list of things you want to see in a Rider movie, and, and this is the one time where I think we actually do see Super 1 fighting a Zodiarts, which, you know, that was a moment to pump the air, because we, we never have, we still haven't gotten our proper <laughs> Super 1 Forze meeting yet. Yeah, they're, you know, they're fighting around, uh, Fize is fighting some guys. And then, you know, the ghostly image of Kusaka appears and he's like, Takumi, this is your chance to make things right. You can bring me back and all that. And he's he's acting like Kusaka. I mean, that's the, the, the thing I like about this movie is that even though they're kind of doing this more, you know, even, even though uh, they've sort of changed Takumi to be a bit more, uh, you know, the way he feels about um, Kusaka is a bit more uh, sympathetic towards, towards him or, or towards the fact that he's dead and all that, like... You know, there's there's more kind of emotion there. Uh, Kasaka's still exactly the way you remember him. Like he is every bit the bastard he used to be. So if you if you're a Kasaka fan, you should be happy with how he's portrayed here uh, as his his dead self, his ghostly version. Uh, yeah, big battle's still going on. Oh yeah, Rider One is fighting in the same place as Gaim. He sees Gaim is on the rope, so he pulls out the Showa Rider lock scene. He's like, Gaim, use this. Let's go, and throws it at him. Now, normally, you know, the, the power-ups out of nowhere, that's kind of something that we're just used to. But at the same time, you're always kind of like, oh, I wish they had some sort of explanation for it. Like, where did it come from? You know, something like that. Uh, that's something I liked about Tamashi combo in the 
uh, let's go is at least with the shocker metal like they built that sucker up throughout the whole movie you know the the other ones kind of just were random you know pull it out of momotaros but i don't know i liked how it had this whole build up to you know so when it finally appeared you're like okay i know exactly what the story is behind this one this one you know the loxie comes out of nowhere but it's rider one doing it so i'm okay with it you know i'm sorry that's just my bias for the old guys but uh I just like the idea that like Rider One is like, okay, we're gonna have a team up with Gaim. Let's, you know, pull our pull our energy into a lock seed to use just in case he's gonna need to fight a guy who has the power of all fifteen Hasey riders. <laughs> I don't know. Um that's pretty cool. So Gaim transforms into the other Ichigo arms or the Rider One arms, whatever you wanna call it. Which uh the transformation is actually kinda weird because he you know, the giant Rider one head drops on him and then he like jumps on top of 15 and looks like he's trying to kind of bite him which i was like that's a really obscure reference to pull there they they refer back to the idea uh way back when you know before common rider got on tv like the kind of original sketches and stuff like that and in some of the kid magazines they'd show this off but this idea that his mouth was going to be able to open and close like that was the thing like ultraman was like that too where way back when Ultraman's mouth was going to open and close. And that's why on the A-type suit, he's got that kind of weird crinkly mouth because it was originally designed to to move. Uh, and it was going to be the same thing with Rider 1. Like, he, you know, there's pictures of, like, drawings of him, like, biting into chains. Like, the crusher jaw opens and he bites them and stuff like that. And it, it took until Amazon uh, before they could finally really do that properly. Uh, so they do it here. They have him... <laughs> biting 15 and it it looks kind of weird but so he jumps off and then you know transformation complete rider one arms i mean honestly i kind of like it i mean it is it is what it is you know but i think the thing is because we've had all the other ones and because we've had 15 transforming into them throughout the whole movie and they you know they are weird looking and (laughs) with the like flat chest and the big you know head pieces and stuff like that but i don't know i i have oddly kind of digging them and uh I just like this idea of, you know, Gaim with all the powers of Rider 1 or, you know, all the powers of the show Riders, whatever you want to call it. I don't know. It kind of works for me. But uh, it, it is it is weird that he's got, like, three different sets of eyes. The ones on his chest, the ones on his, I guess they're on his back now, uh, and the ones in his helmet. But, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I can't explain it, but I kind of dig it. I guess because it's Rider 1, you know. It just comes down to that. You know, so suddenly... 15 even though he's in his strongest state now he's got a guy who can kind of go toe-to-toe with him finally uh which i thought was an interesting bit of commentary there that we've got the heisei rider lock seed being used for evil <laughs> and the showa rider lock seed being used for good and the showa one even it's even in just like regular mode is as strong as the uh, the heisei one you know in its strongest mode so make of that what you will uh, anyway, uh, let's see, X and uh, Wizard, who is now turned into Infinity, I think, or he will be, he, he'll be Infinity in a bit, but I think he's already turned into Infinity by this point. But they're like looking up at the giant UFO, uh, they're getting ready to destroy it, because while this has all been going on, while all this craziness has been going on, Decade and the Flying Riders uh, have all headed up to the UFO, like Decade is on, he's riding on well, it should be Machine Tornado, but I think it's actually Agito Machine Tornado. Because off-screen, he final form rode him. Uh, that sounds really bad. Uh, Skyrider, Forze in Rocket States, I think. And 
owes Tajidor. Uh They're all flying up, flying through the ghosts and stuff like that. And uh, Skasa, or, or Decade rather, he goes up and he saves Shu. He slices open the capsule thing and rescues him. Really cool bit. You know, really nice uh, kind of heroic moment. So the riders have saved Shu. And, uh, you know, back down the ground, X and uh, Wizard are like, all right, let's blow this thing up. So they're prepared to blow it up, you know, with these uh, kind of projectile attacks. Because something that they do in this movie, which I thought was really kind of cool. And again, it's something I would never have thought to do is they give X a new attack where he uses the rattle stick, kind of charges up with energy and creates this giant X in the air, which he can then kind of like shoot out. Like really cool. I, I guess it's sort of similar to the, uh, the Rital barrier which is a you know obscure bit of X trivia, but I don't know. I, I liked it. And of course, you know, Wizard's doing the whole high touch thing with the big axe caliber. But uh before they can, Fize wielding the uh Fize blaster thingamajiggy in sword mode jumps in the way and knocks him out and they all get knocked back to human form. Like they all kinda KO each other. Now this is the one moment where I think they used a stunt double for one of the old guys, because uh Takumi gets knocked to the ground. Haruto and Jin, they get like thrown I don't know, like 10 feet or something. And they're like rolling on the ground, like into a wall. And like, I don't think you could get Ryo Hayami to take a bump like that now. <laughs> so they have another guy who, you know, cleverly like kind of shields his face. It works. Uh, but it, it did kind of make me laugh. It's like, okay, that was a stunt. The, you know, Harto, you can still do this. Uh, we're going to use a stunt guy for the other dude. And Shunya or Harto's actor must have been like, wait a minute. <laughs> what am I doing? Because <laughs> it, it looks like it hurts. So, uh, but yeah, we got Haruto. That's pretty cool. You know, he, like I said, he's just got a minor bit in this movie, but you know, that's a cool idea that they have Wizard get knocked out of, they have, you know, Wizard and all the other guys get knocked out of, uh, transformation. So of course Haruto's there. So they stand up and they're like, Takumi, what are you doing? And Takumi's like, I can save him. I can save him. So, you know, Jin gives him the manly, uh, punch of, you know, knocking you to your senses. He's like, you know, aren't you thinking about everybody else about the living and all that? And so Haruto has a nice little moment where he's like, you know, I was tempted to bring back Koyomi too, but, you know, I, I understand I can't do that. So if you're falling, if you find yourself falling into despair, I'll be your last hope and all that. <laughs> that was really kind of cheesy, but a very, you know, it made the wizard fan of me smile. So then, you know, the ghost version of uh, uh, Saka shows up and he's like, why are you listening to these idiots? You know, bring me back. You can basically he's he's. I think what he wants to do is he wants uh, Takumi to, like, kill himself to let that, you know, the evil energy overtake him so they'll both be dead or something like that. <laughs> I don't know. It's, I'm not quite sure what Kasaka's up to here, but, you know, Takumi realizes kind of like the, the whole character arc he's been having throughout the movie that uh, I'm doing a terrible job of explaining it. But again, like, when you watch the movie, it'll make sense. Uh, you know, in the funk that he's been in, he, like, finally comes out of me. He's like, I know what I need to do now. I know who I need to be. I, you know, I, I, I can't keep looking back to the past. I got to look forward. And that's another thing about this movie is looking towards the next generation, all that. Um, you know, really good, good, uh, you know, use of the whole, like the themes of age and, and time and, you know, young and old past and future stuff like that. So then we get my favorite scene in the movie, which is the, uh, triple gener the cross generational transformation. You got X, you got Takumi in the middle and you got, uh, I should say you got Jin, you got Takumi in the middle, and you got uh, Haruto, and they all transform. And this is just such a cool moment because you know, it, great build up. They they don't say anything. They kind of they exchange glances. You know, they got this nice look between them, and then they transform. And it's just it's so cool seeing 
You got a Showa Rider, a Heisei Rider, and uh, whatever you want to call the current <laughs> post-2009. Starts in the fall Heisei Riders generation uh, all together. And it, it actually is kind of neat because this is the first time where we see X transform and it's like pulled out. Because usually, you know, it's, it's zoomed in. So he's in this kind of weird, almost looks like another dimension where there's like this sparkly kind of swirl stuff behind him. And then they pull the camera out. So, you know, you see him next to the other two guys and it's, it's, it still appears behind him, which I thought was really cool. I think actually watching it here, uh, watching all three, it really kind of, it, it sort of uh, sold me on why they decided to have X's old transformation. Uh, you know, why they went with setup over, over the, the other one. Because when you think about it, first of all, it's really different. Because nowadays, you know, every rider says henshin when they transform. And, you know, most of the old ones did, but they would have different things too. You know, Amazon's is different and, and X's was different at first, stuff like that. So that's kind of a, a an interesting idea to put two riders, you know, two Heisei riders with the really kind of traditional henshin phrase next to one of the show riders with one of the really different ones. And if you think about it, X was the first rider where he transformed and he held stuff. You know, he's got the pieces and the mask in his hands, the... Um, red eyes are on one side and the perfecter on the other, the, the mouthpiece. And nowadays, that's like the norm. You know, everybody's sticking stuff into the belts and flipping switches and pushing buttons and stuff like that. It, not so much the hands-free stuff that it used to be. Uh, but, you know, if you think about it, X was the first one that did that. So, you know, there is precedent for it and all that. So it, it's really cool to, you know, pair those three up, I think. Uh, plus, it's just, it's just such an awesome scene. And, you know, the combined energies of justice cause uh, Kasaka to melt away or whatever, turn into a ghost and <laughs> dissipate. So then we get a really cool scene where they're all going to finish off the UFO uh, band thing, Bajiggy. So X and Fies and Wizard, they all jump in the air and everybody else joins them. You know, Kabuto, Stronger, Amazon, like everybody else except uh, Gaim, I guess, because <laughs> he's busy. They're like, let's do it. So everybody jumps in the air. And they all start delivering rider kicks to this giant UFO. And X, Fies, and Wizard, they land on the inside. And there's this great scene where, like, the camera's panning around them, like, circling around. And they're all doing uh, finisher moves. So you got X doing the big kind of X projectile thing. Fies is in blaster mode. He's, you know, charging the gun up. Wizard's in infinity. He's doing the high-touch thing, throwing the X caliber around. And it's just, like, glorious slow-motion destruction <laughs> so they blow the UFO up good. Really cool scene. Um, the Tokugers, they're getting beat on, but uh, somehow Kira Red turns Gabuchara into a train, and the Denliner shows up, and uh, they all combine into the super-duper movie robot, uh, which is kind of funny. Like, originally, Deno is going to form the chest and the head, but then Kira Red is like, no, I'll do that. So Deno gets knocked down to the feet. Uh, it is sort of... It, kind of weird or i don't know strange almost to see again like an appearance of deno where the only deno character is deno himself like momotaro's you know voiced deno and uh nobody else and he, he's kind of he's almost he's almost sort of relegated to just like comic relief i mean he gets to fight uh during the big fight and stuff but it is uh one of the smaller parts he's played in these movies i think um, but it is funny, you know, he's like, why do I got to be the feet? So, uh, yeah, they do a big super duper attack where actually all the other uh, deadliner trains show up, like the zero horn and everything and the, you know, the other different pieces. And they do this big super duper attack and destroy the 
uh, Baden leader. A spectacular explosion of CGI. So 15 is ticked off at that, because uh, pretty much all the other bad guys have been defeated by this point. Uh, so Gaim just starts laying into him with like punches and kicks and you know really, really uh, powerful, impactful moves. So, you know, of course, they, it all comes down to the big, I'm going to use my finisher on your finisher. And uh, 15 uses, like, the strongest one he's got, like the triple super-duper sparkling or whatever it is. And Gaim just uses, like, he just does one slash the sword and does a rider kick. But it's really cool because it's this kick where you see, like, this holographic version of Gaim and Rider 1, and they kind of merge together with Rider 1 arms. And they do this, you know, he kicks 50 and that does this like explosion and it does the sort of, you know, everything freezes and it does a 3D like pan around, you know, <laughs> like just really cool looking. 15 gets sent flying, you know, knocked out of the armor, the belt shatters. And we see, of course, uh, like all throughout the movie, we've been seeing that, uh, uh, the, you know, the Ren there, um, his eyes will kind of turn purple, like he's sort of possessed. So it's, you know, he's been possessed by the evil energy. So the belt's destroyed, and he's back to good old, you know, human self. We never really got an explanation, or I mean, we, we kind of got an explanation of, of his story, but we never saw the sort of uh, exactly how he became 15. I just kind of interpreted it as, well, he was sad that he lost his son, and Baden kind of preyed on that and, you know, turned him into an evil warrior dude. Like, simple, simple enough. So yeah, so the fighting is over. The riders have all assembled. Uh, Shu is there. And he starts to kind of go all sparkly. He's going to disappear. Gaim's like, can't we do something? And uh, Scott's, or Decade is like, you know, Rider One, you and the Showa Riders, you know, you can use your power and, and you can uh, give us that, the happy ending. <laughs> I mean, he doesn't say exactly that, but <laughs> that's basically what he implies. And so Rider One's like, all right. Or Rider is like, we'll show you the power of Common Rider. So all the uh, Showa Riders assemble. And they use the Rider Syndrome, which in, uh, is another holdover from Z-Cross. And, and back then, was it was a destructive move. But here, what they do is they kind of teleport Shu off, uh, apparently change day to night. He appears at the lighthouse where his mom is. Uh, the dad shows up, too. And also, in the picture, like, she has a picture of Shu, you know, the one where he's got the sign saying, I hate you. <laughs> It changes that, so, like, the letter's reversed, so it now says, I love you, and he's smiling. <laughs> so, basically, like, the, what I take away from this is the show riders have the power to reshape reality, which I was like, all right, I'm I'm on board with that. <laughs> well, they all come together, you know, that's the power of a common rider. Uh, so, we get this nice little, you know, emotional moment between the family. They kind of bid goodbye because she was, you know, got to disappear back to the, the land of the dead or whatever. You know, all, all this stuff was reversed. Like, when the bad guys were defeated, all the stuff was reversed. So the Earth isn't peeling itself apart anymore. And, you know, all the ghosts have vanished and stuff like that. So, happy enough ending. Shoe disappears. The former 15 and his wife are, you know, looking unhappy. Night becomes day again, you know. So it seems like the end, right? And we got uh, Decade and Gaim and Pfizer all kind of watching from across, you know, the lighthouse is like on an island somewhere and they're all kind of like across the bay or something so they're all watching this and they return to the other hasty riders are all standing around so like well i guess that's it and then hongo says no it isn't so the show riders they come marching up with hongo at front and center he's got sunglasses on he takes them off very cool he puts them in his pocket and it's like you know we saved the day and uh you know everything worked out but 
we still haven't, you know, settled things once and for all. The true the true memories and the true weight of the world and all that stuff, the burden that we carry, you know, we got to see if you guys are truly worthy of that. And the Heisei writers are kind of like, oh, wait a minute. Uh. So basically, what I took away from all this is that, you know, all the baloney about, you know, life and death and magic plans and, and secret operations, you know, all this other stuff, up until now, that's all been kind of like the cover story. What it really all comes down to is kind of what was established at the beginning of the movie, that the show writers don't think the Heisei writers can hack it on their own. Or they they didn't think they could, you know. that Everything worked out this time, but... They had a close call. Takumi almost screwed everything up, although nobody ever brings that up. Um, but, you know, they really got to see, are, are you guys really fit to, you know, protect the world? And again, me personally, not the way I would write it. But, you know, there you go. That's that's the, uh, <laughs> this is the story we're going with. So let's see how it all ends. So, Ongo transforms. One thing I do got to say, I thought that was kind of funny, maybe a bit unintentional, is that when when Hongo's making the speech, he's standing like right in front of Rider Man, who you know is still still young Rider Man. So I don't know, is, is Yuki did Yuki not age, or we're we just not going to address that? I don't know. It's a minor thing, but so yeah, so Hongo transforms, and they do it differently this time, and they do it. It's actually really cool. It's it's almost it's very kind of Kuga esque, where he's standing. He does the henshin pose, the belt, you know, starts spinning around, creates this gust of wind, which is so powerful, it actually starts to move the the windmill or the, the veins on Futo Tower. Because this I guess the whole final battle has been taking place in Futo or in and around between, you know, that that suburb between Futo and Zawame City that apparently exists that looks an awful lot like Tokyo. Uh, so yeah, you know, it's it starts it sends up kicks up this huge gust of wind, it's blowing the riders' scarves, the haste riders are kinda like shielding their eyes, like what the heck? And Hongo transforms. Now they do a couple of really cool things here. Like I said, it's it's Kuga esque where like the armor sort of appears over him, you know, piece by piece kind of. One thing they do, which is kind of cool, I don't quite understand it, but it, it is a nice touch, is for a brief second, he's actually got the old Rider One colors. Like he's, you know, suit is all black and the you know the armor uh, the chest armor and the helmet the gloves and boots are all kind of greenish like it's almost like yeah i don't know it's it's not quite the original costume but it's kind of a nice you know nod to it almost as if like showing that like every time he becomes new rider one he still kind of goes through this phase briefly where he is the old rider one i guess but the really cool touch to me the one that just made me i didn't even notice it the first time but you know after seeing the movie a couple more times uh, I focused on this. The one that just made me squee was very briefly, right before the helmet forms over his head, you can actually see what looks like the surgical scars on Hongo's face, which is from the comic. You know, he has these sort of vertical scars that go through his, down his face, like through his eyes. I mean, they stop at his eyes, but like kind of through his eyes, down his cheeks, and, and there's kind of more that go off to the side. Wow. Like... I don't know if it was just a trick of the lighting or something. I think it was intentional, though, because I, I saw it enough times that I, I can confirm it. It definitely looks like him, and that is a cool touch. Because uh, that's an aspect that has never been explored on, on the show, or on, on live-action Rider 1, anyway. Uh, the first kind of did the sort of, you know, the rejection thing, which sort of is like it, not quite. 
And Double, of course, you know, would, would do the version where when he would transform, you'd actually see on Shotaro's eyes, he had the kind of the lines of the double mask start to appear. And they were supposed to be reminiscent of the scars. Uh, but to actually have them like that, like that, that's pretty awesome. So, yeah, it's it's a really cool transformation where it's done a bit differently. And I, I kind of dig that. You know, I mean, you can you can do you can still teach an old dog new tricks and you can still do new stuff with the old riders, I think. Like whenever it comes to the show of riders and, and this is a question that I think comes up a lot from some people who are like, you know, why, why do they keep them the same? Why don't they redesign them and stuff like that? You know, why are they the same old 70s suits and everything or, you know, refurbished? new versions of the same old 70 suits and for me it comes down to that a it's because you know that's how the characters looked when they became popular and and that's what people want to see i mean i think we've i think it's been proven now after come by the next or come the first and the next and especially the kikaider movie which uh you know i'll be talking about that in probably the next episode released after this one but uh it didn't do very well, let's put it that way. It was it was not a box office success. And I think it really just comes down to the fact that people want to see the characters they like, the way they like them, you know? Uh at least Japanese audiences, you know, the mass the mass audience. You know, fans it might be a little different, but general viewer who was like, Yeah, I watched Comrade as a kid and now my kid wants to see this Common Rider movie. Oh, hey, look, there's the guy that used to be my common rider. This should be pretty cool. I mean, because it's like that, you know, think about the Heisei Riders. I mean, like, if I were going to do a Rider movie, you know, in this hypothetical future where I am running Toei, and I'm going to do a Kamen Rider movie, and I told you, yeah, we're going to redesign all the Heisei Riders, you know, you would complain about that, and rightfully so, because you fell in love with those characters the way they are. And, you know, no passage of time is ever going to change that. So it's the same thing with the show riders, I think, where, you know, you can you can tweak the costume, sure. I mean, because even they did. You know, eventually Rider 1 and 2 went from these guys with, you know, dark green gloves and stuff to, to silver and red, you know, really kind of solidifying their rise to being, going from uh, men who were supposed to be monsters to, you know, true blue superheroes and all that. Like, that that I'm okay with. Doing little things. Like, I think, I think when they... um. I think for this movie, I'm not sure, but I feel like they did something with the X-Rider costume where it looks a little bit tighter than it did in the previous movies. Maybe it was just the, you know, stunt guy or something like that, but it looks like they kind of went back and, and touched it up a bit. I think it looks great. Like, this is the best X has looked in a long time without actually changing anything about it. You know, they just changed the materials. They they cast a guy who fits the costume right, stuff like that. You know, same thing with, uh, with any of them, but... Uh, I think that's a part of it. And I also think it just comes down to the fact that, you know, when it comes to the 70s riders, you know, you can take those riders out of the 70s, but you can't take the 70s out of those riders. Like, that's just, that's a part of who they are. That's a part of who they always will be. And it's the same thing with riders from the 80s, from the 90s, from the 2000s, the 2010s, whatever. You know, so that's, uh, that's just, uh, that's just a fact of, of, common rider and and something you know you accept and you know i mean it's fine to have redesigns and sic and stuff like that but you know when you get down to it what's the version that's always going to come back again and again it's going to be the one that people fell in love with in the first place okay so with all that out of, out of the way <laughs> after we had this great transformation we've now got the concluding 15 on 15 fight this is where we get into we have to talk about the uh the ending or how the ending was decided rather which is uh i think it was about a little over a month and a half maybe two months 
before the movie came out. Toei decided they were going to do a poll to decide the ending. They said, you know, we've got this uh, Showa Rider versus Heisei Rider or, or Heisei Rider versus Showa Rider, whatever you want to call it, plot. And Shurikura went, you know, did this. He did a bunch of interviews, some of which honestly didn't make a whole lot of sense, where he was like, you know, this was something the fans decided, and the fans came up with this. And it, basically, you know, it sounded like he was saying, like, if this movie bombs, it's going to be all your fault. But they were like, all right, we're going to have a poll to determine the ending. Who wins, the Hasty Riders or the Showa Riders? And they did it two different ways. There was an online poll, which was open to everybody, and there was a theater poll, which was open to anybody who uh, wanted to go to the theater. Now, the ultimate results of the poll were so close, I don't think you can take anything away from... I mean, you can't... You know, the Heisei Riders won by, like, a, you know, a mere 700-something votes. And I say mere because it was, what, over a million on each side? So, yeah, when you get down to it, that's not that many. A lot of people have theorized that those, you know, votes kind of came out of nowhere because if you actually crunch the numbers, I think, of um, when the poll closed online, uh, the, the theater poll ended a few days earlier and they counted them up. And then when the poll closed online, if you add the two together... Uh, it, it looked like the show of writers won. So those last votes kind of mysteriously appeared. Maybe they were late and they, they counted them after the fact. I don't know. Whatever the case. Uh, to me, the whole idea of the poll was, I don't know about this. This really doesn't seem like a good idea to me. Because right off the bat, you were going to alienate half the audience. Because even if they say, like, oh, we'll determine, you know, we'll reveal who won on the day the movie comes out. Uh, you know, you have to go see it in theaters to find out who won, that kind of thing. Uh, first of all, you could figure out who won based on counting the numbers, as people did. And second of all, they decided to actually reveal who won on, like, the day or the day after the movie came out, which I think probably gave a lot of people the wrong idea. <laughs> because I'll tell you about the ending in a few minutes when we get to it. But, uh, yeah, it, it, like I said, just I, I didn't think this was a really good idea. Now, it, you know, it turns out I kind of worried for nothing, but just my general feeling going in was like, I don't know about this. You know, there's some things where, you know, leaving it up to the fans' side is, is one thing. This one, I didn't think it was a good idea, partly because it was so easy to cheat on the poll. I mean, if you wanted to, you could vote multiple times online. You could vote multiple times in theaters, you know. It was just, all they had was a box with like a bunch of pieces of paper next to it, and you either circle Heisei or Showa, and you could stuff that box as many times as you wanted to with the pieces of paper. I'll tell you what I did. I voted once for each side and left it at that. Cause I was like, this whole thing is so stupid. But at the same time, you know, I had to do it. <laughs> so in the ultimate hypocritical move, I voted, I voted, I made one vote for Showa, one vote for Heisei. And I left it at that. But <laughs> as we'll get to in a minute, um, it was kind of, it was all kind of for naught. <laughs> but anyway, so yeah, so we've got this big 50 on 15 fight. Now, other people who have seen the movie, uh, a lot of the reports, you know, their feeling is that they th they feel that this scene is either, you know, pointless or, you know, it, it, it wrecks the movie or like they, they were kind of happy with things up to this point. And then suddenly it's like, well, why are they fighting again? You know, they just teamed up. Why are they settling it? I kind of thought that at first, but the more times I see the movie, the more I kind of feel like you sort of need to have this scene just to kind of like it's less about the writers fighting each other and it's almost more about like toy being like this is what you wanted this is what you paid for this is what you asked for we're gonna give it to you and the result is not quite what you expect because 
when Hongo or Ryder one, you know, he's tightening the gloves and everything. He's ready to, uh, you know, they're ready to charge at each other. And he's like, this time we're going to hold nothing back. Okay. You know, remember that that's important. So we got the riders fighting. They're all duking it out in a nice little crane shot. Then they take it down to the beach. They're still fighting. Guys start hitting finishers on each other. Like, uh, I think Denno and Hibiki, they blast Amazon and Shin and knock them down, but they get right back up. Uh, Ryuki and Blade, they use their finishers on Super 1 and Stronger, but they get right back up. Kuga and Agito hit rider kicks on ZO and J, which I like, because that was like the real cross-generational moment right there. And they all knock each other out of the sky. Fies and uh, X are fighting each other again. Uh, Forze and Rider-Man fight, and this, this part was awesome, because Forze's got the Gatling module, and Rider-Man, for the first time ever on screen, is using the machine gun arm. Uh, it kind of looks like the rope arm, but it's got like a, you know, a Gatling sort of barrel on the end, and they're blasting each other, <laughs> riddling each other with bullets, but, uh, you know, they're okay. So yeah, everybody, you know, everybody's uh, fighting, everybody's punching each other, everybody's knocking each other down, but they're getting back up, and, and that's the key to me, is that all movie long, they're like, okay, we're going to you know, have Showa Riders versus Hasty Riders, and some of them have these really knockdown, drag-out fights. Some of them, you know, are defeated kind of quickly. Whatever the case, that was all That was all kind of baloney. That was, that, it proves nothing. It's just, you know, it's part of the big plan. You know, I'm going to kick you, you're going to turn to a lock seed, or, or not even turn into a lock seed. You're going to be replaced by a lock seed, and I'm going to disappear into the woods and, and chillax for the next... 50 minutes or whatever but here they're like okay the gloves are off this is we're fighting for real and even then that everybody's still even like they can't nobody can defeat anybody else they're just too evenly matched they're too good uh i think i would liked it and maybe i don't know if it'll be different the other ending i think i would like it if we saw a few more show rider finishes here because it kind of it's weird how it like it looks like the heisei riders are doing more damage, but since they're not, I can't tell if it actually makes them look weaker or not, you know? Like, <laughs> like I don't know. I, just, I guess I would have liked something where, like, you know, Stronger and Skyrider do rider kicks on, like, I don't know, O's and Agito or something like that, and they're, like, they get back up. Something like that. Because it, it is kind of weird how you watch it at first, you're like, oh, man, it looks like the show riders are taking a beating, but then you're like, well, no, they're not, because they get right back up and start punching the guys out. So yeah, I don't know, but it, but I I dug it. Like I I like how suddenly everybody's even, everybody's you know going nuts, doing everything they can, but none of it's working. They're just they're too good for each other. They're too matched. So then we cut over to uh, Rider One fighting Gaim, and this is where the multiple endings probably comes in. Uh, this moment here, and I don't know how how much different it'll be after that, and I think it it may just be this one sequence. But Narutaki shows up again. And uh, he is kind of devolved into full-on, uh, you know, comedy sort of commentary by this point, where he's like, ah, now we'll see who really is the better rider, the hasty riders or the show riders. So Rider 1 and Gaim are fighting. And actually, Rider 1 kind of has Gaim on the ropes. But Gaim stops. You know, he's he's got the swords out and stuff, but he stops. He notices something behind him. Rider 1 goes for a rider kick. Gaim blocks. There's a big explosion. Gaim is knocked down, and Rider One is, you know, kind of strutting over, ready for, you know, to finish things. Now, I think what'll probably happen is the uh, alternate ending will be the same, except it'll be Rider One is the one knocked down, and Gaim is the one standing, and then the speech, you know, the speech will be more or less the same because what happens is Rider One stops and he goes, "I lost," 
And everybody else, what I love about this is everybody else immediately stops fighting. Like, it cuts over. It shows everybody, like, going crazy, punching each other, you know, knocking each other around. Guys are getting, like, all this missing is, like, guys getting thrown through tables and stuff like that. Like, it's that crazy. But they all stop. They're like, what? And Narutaki's like, what the heck? You know, what? what? And then we pan behind Gaim and see that he defended one lone flower. Now, this is where I'm going to differ with a lot of people. Most people are probably going to say, this is stupid. It even sounds stupid. I can't believe they did this. What the hell? Personally, for me, from this point on, like even if the rest of the movie had been god-awful, this is such a perfect ending to me <laughs> that I'm completely okay with it. I'll try to I'll try to get through this as as best I can, but I mean, it's it's the sort of thing where it's like I, I almost like I can't explain it without the visual aid of you know of it being right there in front of me and and, and me explaining why I love every single shot that comes after this. But you know, Rider One is like after all this, you know, all all the power that I have, you still stepped up to defend one small life, like one little flower. You know, you didn't, you didn't, you could have easily trampled it or, or gotten out of the way or something and got crushed or something like that. But no, you put your life on the line for one little flower. And that's real strength right there. That, that is the strength that, uh, that I've been searching for. Like that kind of thing. It's, it's almost kind of, it's almost sort of like right one, like kind of acknowledging, like, you know, that's what I've got to remember. You know, like I've, I've learned something today that that is, that is real power there is, is remembering every little life is important and every, you know, it, it is all about like the individual and stuff. Now, again, you know, that's different than my conception of Rider One, but it's done, it's played so well. Like it's, it's, you know, Fujioka, the way he's voicing it and the way it's shot and everything, it's, it's done so well that I, I could accept it. I could be on board with it. And he reaches his hand down and he helps guy him up. And, you know, and, and Narutaki's like, Wow. Like even he's kind of like blown away. And now the, here's the thing, right? The reason I'm okay with this is because I think it's treated, it's it is treated kind of comedically, but the message is still like a serious one, you know. Like it, like you are so you know Narutaki, you're supposed to have the same reaction as him, where he's like, "What the," <laughs> you know, like one little flower. But then you you think about it, you're like, "Yeah, that is common right right there." That they you know, every life is important. And you know they're they're never gonna stop fighting until they can protect everyone. So yeah, so Rider One helps guy him up, and then all the riders, you know, the Hayser riders on one side, the Show riders on the other side, they all line up, and they all do the buddy handshake. And it's not, it sounds so stupid, but I love it. <laughs> it sounds so ridiculous, but I love it. Like it's the perfect way to end all after all this lunacy, all the riders fighting each other. All the nonsense, like, that is the perfect way to end it. They all shake hands, and, you know, we get a nice little bit of dialogue between, like, Decade and, and Z-Cross and uh, X and uh, Fies, you know. X is, you know, he kind of reiterates, is like, you know, look out to the sea when you're lost and all that, and Fies is like, I think I'm okay now. Uh, I think Rider 2 is like, you know, they talk about, you know, the Showa from the Showa to the Heisei and, and the Heisei to the next generation and stuff like that. And, and Z-Cross is like, will you, con-, you know, Decade, will you continue your journey after this? And he's like, of course. And of course, you know, uh, Narutaki has to get in the Onori Decade. But then he says that, the, the, and this just sealed the, the deal for me when he's like, 
you know, why is Kamen Rider so amazing? <laughs> and Decade's like, I wonder that too, Narutaki. Oh my god, I'm gonna lose it. It's just, it's so hard to explain. Like, it's so ridiculous. It's, it is stupid. But I love it. It's like it is the perfect encapsulation of like what Comrider is about to me. That that you know, at the end of the day, for all the bravado and all the the wackiness and and all that, it it still it ends on this very oddly human note. Like I I can't I can't explain it. I can't do it justice. It's the sort of thing you got to watch yourself. And 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 most people see it and be like, this is dumb. What the hell? This this movie sucks. But for me, like. They ended it just perfect. That's why I'm I'm fascinated to see the other ending. Because keep in mind, this is the Heisei Riders winning ending. Which walking out of the theater, I never would have guessed that. I thought I thought it was the show ending because it was like, okay, the you know the um the uh, the Heisei Riders throughout the whole movie they've kind of been the underdogs and so like their point has kind of been proven that they are worthy of of carrying on the torch and all that and they're everybody as good as the old guys. But I still get the impression that man. They really make the old guys out to be beasts. Like they are tough, you know. Rider one, he had he had guy, you know, he's pushing into the limits. The other guys, they can take rider kicks on the chest and and they're fine. So I never would have guessed that this was the the haste ending. That's why I really want to see how the other one goes down because uh, it'd be interesting if I actually end up preferring this one, you know, because <laughs> being the the show rider guy and all that. But I don't know. So yes, and then there's this nice shot. Where they're all kind of standing out. The you know sun is setting. They're looking out to the ocean, and and Gaim is like, you know, it doesn't matter if you're Heisei or Show or whatever. You know, it's all about the, all about the justice and all that stuff. And you know, whenever wherever we'll all come together and fight again. You know, like really kind of goofy feel good stuff. We get this nice panning shot, which is really funny because if you look carefully, you can see everybody's kind of just standing with their arms to the side except Forza. He's got his arms up <laughs> in the pose. And then the very last shot of the movie, great, you know, silhouette. They're all looking at the sunset, and you can make out the individual riders kind of. It's, 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 it reminds you a lot of that shot from the Z-Cross TV special when they all were standing in front of the sun, you know, waving goodbye. It's almost like the opposite. Like, instead of them going off, we're like, we're on there, you know, we're behind them. We're seeing their point of view, that sort of thing. Uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's such a goofy ending. But I love it. Like, again, you know, from that moment when uh, Rider One helps guy him up. You know, I mean, sure, yeah, the flower thing is ridiculous and all that. But, like, just, you know, the the out the fallout from that is just note perfect to me. Like, and it ends on just such a great image. And also, I think, and this is one of the ways where I think it really uh, tops every other Rider team-up movie, you know, from the last couple of years anyway. Aside from maybe, like, the director's cut of Megamax... And that is, this is the first time all the riders are together at the end. Like, we we end on them all together. You know, like, in, in all Riders vs. Die Shocker, they all kind of walked off and left Decade and Co. at the end. In Let's Go, everybody just kind of disappeared and left uh, the main characters kind of standing around. But here, you know, it, it ends with everybody together. Everybody watching the sunset together. And, you know, presumably they all go off in their different directions after that. But I don't know. I just thought that was that was a great touch so uh from there we have the end credits which are to me are some of the best end credits in a long time because we have the usual you know clips on the side we're seeing uh hongo driving you know the classic sound effects everything really cool and something i loved and this must have been i i I wonder if this was a decision on the part of the director or this is just fujioka being like let's do this he's driving without a helmet you know the guy who was once injured i mean you know it was his leg that was injured but still 
that used to be his thing. You know, he drove around without a helmet. And then after the injury, when he came back, Hongo always wore a helmet after that. It's sure, it's not sending a great message to the kiddies, but damn, it looks cool. <laughs> so he's on the new Cyclone without the helmet. Uh, X is back at the clinic. Murasume, he's he's going to walk. Uh, he's like got a bag over his shoulder. He's got sunglasses on. He's walking over to a Cessna plane, which that was a great little bit of Z-Cross mythology because that's uh, that's what he did. He was a pilot. Uh, you know, we see the Gaim characters, of course. There's some funny little bit with Kaito's in a pet shop looking at a turtle because there's this whole thing with him, the turtle that he found. Shotaro is still looking for that cat. He's meowing. Uh, Decade, of course, he has his photo of shoe. Or Scott has the photo shoe, I should say. Haruto's eating donuts. Takumi is uh, sitting out looking at the ocean. You know, really nice little just uh, montage of clips of everybody, all the main characters. While this is all happening, at the bottom of the screen, they've got these little super deformed versions of the riders, like, driving along. You know, kind of almost in, like, a little bike race. And behind them, they go past all the different, like, hangouts over the years. You know, from the Amigo to, you know, the, the sports shop in V3, you know, the Karyos and Kuga, you know, everything, you know, they go past the Yudishil Tower, stuff like that. It's just really cool, like really little animated versions of them. And when you see Shin appear, that's like one of the best laughs of the movie. <laughs> just wait until you see Shin in that scene, like watch for him. Uh, and then we got the theme song, which is a remix of Dragon Road featuring the uh, Rider Girls just kind of singing back up this time, but I, I don't know. I liked it. I, I'm okay with the Rider Girls. I've never had a problem with them or their, you know, remix songs. You know, they're they're aimed at a different audience than me. Like I don't follow the albums and stuff as much, but you know, I like them okay. You know, I I kind of want to start you know getting their individual albums just to listen to them and all that because I, I think the remix songs are, are okay. Like the, the the weirdest part about the. Let's go ride a kick in the V3 one are when they bring in kind of the backup singer, the really deep voice guy who I think was on some of the O's songs, like the theme song and stuff, where in the V3 song starts talking about like making androids in my basement and stuff like that. I, I don't quite get that, but I like the girls themselves. Uh, I like this version of Dragon Road a lot, actually. Like it was, it was really cool. Fits the movie. And it, it fits the fact that when you get down to it, hey, say riders, show riders, it, it doesn't matter. You know who really won? In the end, was Z Cross because he's the only one who didn't get turned into a lock seed, except for Gaim, I guess. And he saved everybody's butts, and he gets his theme song at the end of the movie. So I, I don't know. I I come away with this one. I come away from this movie really seeing it as the the Z Cross triumphant, <laughs> because uh, if nothing else, this movie was a loving tribute to all things red and silver, uh, with green eyes and a green scarf from the eighties. But there you have it. Uh, and then, of course, they ended on a preview for the summer movie, which is already out, and I will be talking about it in a future episode. But, uh, yeah, that is Heisei Rider vs. Show Rider, Carbonfire Tyson featuring Super Sentai. I have gone on for almost four hours now. <laughs> Just shy of four hours, I think. Uh, I'm not sure how I'm going to do this. I might split this episode in half. I'm, you know, I'll probably go back and edit out some of the ums and ahs and stuff to cut it down a bit. But it's still going to be a long episode. Hopefully making up for the uh, time I've been away. But uh, I've got a lot more coming. I, I've got the Kikaida reboot episode recorded, actually. i got to edit that. And that's a, a big mess, too. <laughs> Very different feelings on that movie. But we'll get to that in time. I've still got the Q&A from November. That I am going to do, and I've added a lot more questions to it, but it will happen. I promise you it will happen. 
Uh, and I think I would like to do an episode on the the current guy movie, although uh, I don't I don't know about that one yet. I, but I would like to touch on it at least. And then there's a whole lot of other news going on in the world of Rider right now. We've got Drive coming. You know, of course there'll have to be some sort of reaction uh, or or something like that when he happens. Lots of stuff. But you know, bottom line, I am back. Rider Break is back uh, at least for now, uh, and hopefully forever. <laughs> we'll see. But uh, there you have it. You know. AC riders and show riders. Ultimately, it doesn't matter because, in the end, they're all common riders. Thanks for listening, and I'll see you next time. Get it on Silver.